Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time to meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beagle Applied Innovation Center, with a story you're going to want to hear, right, John? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome, everybody, to our community podcast show, powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, John Gutierrez, Senior Vice President here. We're excited to bring you another great organization, a member of our chamber, Foster Love. We have two special guests with us here today, Cindy Alberson. Alberson and Mario Gonzalez. Uh, Cindy Alberson is the Director of Development for SoCal, and Mario Gonzalez is the Department Manager for Academic Services. Welcome, Cindy. Welcome, Mario. Thank, Thank you, you John. Did I say that right, Cindy? I just want to make sure. Cindy Albertson. Albertson. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I didn't want to say like the store. I'm, you know. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I used to work for Albertson, so that's why, you know. Oh, uh, I get it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> years ago, many years ago. But I wanted to, you know, first and foremost, you know, share with our guests that this is a great organization across the nation, right? And we'll get into over 156,000 kids that you all are helping, right? In the community. We'll get into the history of how it was founded, which is a beautiful story by a college student. A college student, Danny Mendoza. Wow. That is just amazing, right? And and so being here at the UCI studios, the fact that we're we're around a lot of uh, the college students, this is going to be a great story to tell. But but before we get into that, we we the host here in the show and we, we love to get to know you all as people. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourselves and how you ended up at Foster Love, that would be great. Absolutely. So I'm Cindy and I have been in social services for over 32 years. And what brought me to Foster Love was the fact that literally the lives of children who have been tossed away or rescued, their lives are being saved. Their lives are being changed forever. And that appealed to me because I wanted to do something about it. And as a veteran in social services, this organization knocks it out of the park. Wow, that is amazing. Well, what about you, Mario? How did you end up at Foster Love? Yeah, for me, I, uh, my background has been political science and public administration, which is uh, my master's and bachelor's. So I was really looking to more of the politic work for me. But I was working at a school at that time, and I really became ingrained in just the experience of, of supporting the youth in that school setting. This school was a continuation charter school out in Los Angeles. And so a lot of the support that we were giving those students is something that I still carry with the, the work that I'm doing here at Foster Love. But it was really like transforming the lives of those youth who have been forgotten through the school system, mm -hmm. the ones who have dropped out of high school, the ones who had no college ambitions. And so really going in there and supporting them and making that change and that connection to realize that, yeah, they, these youth have potential. They are the, they're the next generation. And we really want to support them and guide them. And so that, that work in, in supporting youth through education really inspired me to keep giving and continue to just, you know, we talk a, a lot about trauma in this industry. And for me, working with that was, was kind of alleviating some of the, the previous trauma that I had. I was a middle child for, for most of, for still my, my, most of my life and not being recognized, not being seen, but still giving and giving and giving and contributing. And now as an older individual, like now being seen and heard and, and recognized, that kind of energy helped me motivate the youth and continue to, to show them that, yeah, we may, we 
may feel like we're forgotten, we may feel like we're not included, but we're making a difference and we are being recognized in other channels. And so I carry a lot of that educational background uh, in teaching. I used to teach economics, I used to teach technology to, to a bunch of students. And now I'm able to do that and, and really elevate my, my skills and my experience in foster love, being able to lead scholarships and being able to organize groups to really show them that they can make a difference, even though the trials and tribulations are true and they're real. We can overcome a lot of that and we can come out the other end with a lot of potential to to make a difference in our lives and just the, the next people that, that we'll talk to, the next generation of folks that we will contribute and just change their lives. So that's a little bit about me and how I continue to serve here. So share with you know our audience briefly, if you all don't mind sharing a little bit about you know how it's impacted you guys just emotionally, maybe uh, as far as, you know, I mean, you're really changing people's lives. What does that mean to you all? Oh, absolutely. Um, recently, I heard about Kendra, and she had spent, by the time 18 years old, when she's aging out of the system, she had spent a third of her life in foster care, bouncing from home to home to home. And she almost missed her interview for a scholarship. She locked herself out of her dorm. She had no shoes on, and her hair was in a towel. And our executive director hunted her down on the campus, found her, stopped and got her some shoes, and Kendra got herself an amazing scholarship. Is she the one on the cover? Yes, the, she I is the, the one on the cover. I wish I, wish I could show the yes. podcast people right now. Yes. This woman overcame so many things. And what I get is, you know what? I may wake up and have a bad hair day. But Kendra literally had no shoes and went in and got herself a scholarship. She became an attorney. Last year, she passed the bar. She graduated from Berkeley Law. Way to go, Kendra. Way to go. Shout out to Kendra. She's listening. If she ever sees this. Wow. It's about potential. And that's what inspires me is to see. We love to look at the little kids and see them get adopted. But really, what happens to the children who don't get adopted? We happen. Foster love happens. We get together and we make sure their lives are transformed and that they overcome the traumas. Wow. Yeah, it really is changing the experience. I think for for me, it's allowing them to experience something else than the norm. A lot of them are just used to the, the experiences that they've had, the experiences of not getting anything for Christmas, the experiences of not having enough to get by, of uh, either homelessness or that borderline homelessness phase. And so if we can provide them that service and those resources and eliminate some of the barriers that are preventing them from going to school, from thinking big picture, that's that's what we like to offer. And I'll share another story of a, of a youth that we've had. Um, this individual from the get-go is amazing. We selected him for a scholarship. Very, very bright individual. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. At that time, he was interested in joining the Navy. So we're like, yeah, go for it. You know, it's, it'll be a great experience for you. So he was studying in the Navy. He was in, joining the Navy at the same time, finishing his academics. And so he talked to us about a, a, his bachelor's degree. We said, sure, master's in business. Let's, let's go for that. Let's let's see if we can get you as, for a master's for business. We we paid some some funding and, and allowed him to go through the master's in business program. And through his connections with the Navy, he was just able to quickly move up in ranks and, and, and have the experience of being a Navy man, servicing and, and, and uh, you know, servicing the country and, and bettering his, his situation. And one time he had an experience where he was touring the Air Force One shuttle that the airport, the, the president. Uh, How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. So cool. And so he had the colonel walk around the entire ship showing him, yeah, here's where the president sits. Here's where his cabinet members sit. Here's the pilots. He's just giving him the, whole, the top to bottom tour of everything. 
And so they get to a section of the plane where they start seeing just on the walls, like all the presidents who have been here before. And this gentleman is African-American. So he's looking at every, every president that was there. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. And he sees Obama. And he's like, you know, that's the only person that I can relate to because that I see my reflection in that. I see my reflection in just the name and the person who was sitting here. And so they continue the tour and he's, he's just getting very motivated and very encouraged of like, you know what, I, I feel good about this. And they're finishing the tour and the colonel says, okay, wait, wait right here. I'm going to walk down the plane. So he walks down the plane and from the bottom, he yells at him, okay, now it's time to do the thing that you're supposed to do. And the, the, my student was asking like, well, what does he really mean? But he kind of understood what it was. So he walks up to the edge of the airplane, uh, to the, to the ramp, the, the stairs to walk you down. Yes. And the, the colonel is telling him, okay, now do it. And immediately he thought, okay, this is the wave. This is the point where I walk off the airplane pretending I'm the president and waving to everybody as I'm walking down. And for him, it was like a life-changing moment. Yeah. He, he did the wave. He walks down the steps. He, he finishes <laughs> cool. the tour. Very cool. Immediately, he calls myself and our executive director, and he's telling Mario Gianna, you all have to, you, you don't understand what is happening. Wow. I am now motivated to become the president of the United States of America. Wow. What a life-changing moment. He's, he's an amazing naval officer who literally stood up in front of a room full wow. of people and said, I think I'm going to run for president. And wow. we walked out of there ready to vote for him. Wow. And these are individuals who have grown up, you know, this individual himself, he, he was experiencing tremendous homelessness at, at several instances in his life. He had no parents to turn to, no family members to rely on. And so But that sometimes, experience. I think sometimes, I grew up in Santa Ana and we grew up through some tough times. I think sometimes those people just have that grit. Yes. You know, you can't teach that, right? You can't teach grit. I always tell that to my son, you either have it or you don't. It's something that it resonates in you. And maybe, maybe some of them, you know, going through these tough times, unfortunately, right? They yeah. just have that, that extra kick, that extra motivation. It's, I ran track and it's kind of like in, you're running in track and, and you have that extra kick to finish the race, right? And some of yeah. these people might have that grit because they've been through so much. You don't have to inspire them. You don't have to motivate them. They just have it in them because of everything. Like you said, they're homeless. They're, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're hungry literally. for life. They right? are literally yeah. hungry yeah. and hungry for a better life. We had a guest here once. I, I know Paul probably remembers him. He's a, a big financial advisor for, for a big organization. And he said, we asked him, what motivated you to get to this level, you know, managing these big celebrities and all that? And he said, I was at a young age. I opened up the fridge and we were very poor. And I saw how food was never there. And I said to myself, I never want to feel like this again, like I'm hungry. And he said, it drove me my whole life. To this day, it drives me. I never want to feel like I'm hungry again because there's not enough money to buy food. And sometimes, you know, that's what they're looking for. So to hear this story of this naval, right? I mean, that is just such a great story. Let's get into, you know, college student started this organization, Mr. Danny Mendoza. Can you share that story with everybody? What a great story. What a great story. Well, Danny's cousin, he found out was homeless, living in a vehicle. And Danny wanted to step in and help. But as a college student, he wasn't old enough to do anything for his cousin. So he started out just saying, this isn't acceptable. Like, I need to do something. And he was motivated internally to change the lives of children like his cousin. And he literally started playing games and camps with kids, just giving them some inspiration, giving them the hope 
that things are going to be better. And then he took from there. We do all these service projects around the country. Last year, we delivered over 50,000 sweet cases because I don't know if you know this, John, but when a child is being removed from their home, they are given a black trash bag. And that black trash bag is what they put their life into in 10 minutes. 10 minutes, pack up your life. We're taking you from your family. We're going to put you in an institution or we're going to put you with some strangers, right? Mm -hmm. So we give out sweet cases, 50,000 kids. And for me, being an old social worker girl from Santa Ana also, Mm. just so you know, just so you know, John, I'm from Santa Ana. Santana. Too. We got a Santanera here. We, yes, Santana. And I worked my way through college like Mario did. Yes. I worked three jobs. So our, our kids, they're not trash. They're not to be tossed away. And so one little thing and one of the first steps that Danny took was to take these sweet, beautiful cases that are hand decorated by volunteers Give it to the child so that they can have the teddy bear, the blanket, some hygiene. While they're going through that transition, what? right? Exactly. Such it's, a such a critical point, right? That transition from being removed from home to where their next step is going to be, right? Right. A the, little nurture. Yeah. A little bit of nurture. Some love that helps them keep it all together. Yeah. Wow. Way yeah. to go, Danny. Well, if Danny watches the show, we want to personally thank Danny Mendoza for, for just what a beautiful you know concept and organization that it has has you know resonated to be um let's talk about some of the programs that happen in the organization i know we we talked about um you know before the show access to higher education and emergency resources can we get a little bit into that that would be great to share with the audience yeah i want to tell you about the emergency resources okay because when i started here at foster love i was like you guys are doing homelessness prevention services. They're like, no, it's rapid rapid response. And I'm like, no, if you're paying a, a college student's rent so that they can stay in their housing, you are preventing homelessness. And Mario's the expert in this. He's phenomenal. I immediately gravitated to him when I started here. And he's going to tell you, but rapid response, the number of kids that we've helped in this county is unbelievable. So what is that? Share with us that, Mario. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, let me first start uh, just explaining how we really got into college. So as as Cindy was explaining, when we were still a young organization with Foster Love, we were approached by a donor in 2015 who wanted to start a scholarship. And he himself had some experience working with, he. when he was going through college, he had roommate who was um, unannounced was was in homelessness, but um, they became best buddies, you know, as as you normally would in a college setting, your roommate becomes a good friend of yours. Um, When our donor would go out on on the summer breaks or the winter breaks, a lot of the times he would go off with his family and have a great time, but the roommate did not have anywhere to go. So the dorms were closing, the campus was closed over the winter break, you know, a lot of folks are, are enjoying the Thanksgiving break, the holiday season. This individual didn't have anywhere to go, and so he was staying in an overpass in his car. And he would pack all his stuff, stay in the overpass for about three to four weeks. And then when school came back, he would come back and he would enjoy the amenities that are available in a college setting as we do, as we have here in, at UCI. And so through that experience, he became aware that his roommate was in foster care. And at every break that would come up, the summer break, the winter break, the, the other roommate had nowhere to go, had no family to turn to, no friends to celebrate the holidays. 
And so that was his experience knowing a little bit more about foster care. So he approached us in 2015 with the idea of starting a scholarship for college foster youth. And the idea for him was like, hey, let's, he, he's fairly wealthy. And so he said, hey, let's use that, let's use that wealth to basically cover all the expenses that a youth may have talking about housing, talking about tuition expenses. Let's eliminate every single barrier that is in their way to make sure that their college experience is a good college experience. Just like most of us, you know, are around the table here and, and some of the listeners may have experienced, you know, having access to uh, to having tuition covered, having access to having somebody pay your rent, having grocery support, and not having to go day-to-day struggling for groceries. And so th- our, our Family Fellowship Scholarship became a scholarship. And the title is also very important. We were very selective with that title because we wanted to create a family unit around those individuals. For me, I myself had a ton of troubles in college of figuring out what to do, where to go. Some moments were, yeah, trying to find roommates for my next apartment was a challenge. And so I, I never was homeless, experienced homelessness on the street, but I was very close to it. I was I was at the point where I was trying to figure out, like, I'm, I'm down to my last hundred dollars. Like, wh- where do I go? Do I put money in my car to get to my brother's place? Yeah. And so th- those experiences are something that I, I think of every single day. Like, I had hardships, but I had family to rely on. Yes. We have these individuals who do not have family members or maybe have the distance between their family members where they can't rely on those individuals to be there when they need them. You know, you've mentioned the word family, I would say at least 20 times in the last, whatever it is, 15 minutes we've been on the show. And it's so, we take for granted, right? We don't realize how important that word is, family. Because to your point, Mario, when I was in college, I went to Chico State up north and I would drive down with my roommate who lived in Compton. I drop him off and then I come home to Santana where I grew up, where we were still living. And it's true. When you take those breaks from Christmas or the summer, you go to family, right? You go be with your family and then, okay, let me go back to school. And you don't realize how critical those points are, right? In your life. And if you have a a roommate or a friend or somebody that doesn't have family to go to, like you said, Thanksgiving, Christmas, which is those breaks, that's tough. That's tough as a college student. Yeah, that's, that's, and we want to step in and try to fill in some of those gaps. And so that's where the family fellowship steps in with the selection of scholarship students. We now take these students on a winter retreat. So during that winter retreat period, we go with our donor and he's, he's gracious enough to allow us to stay at one of his cabins and he's there. He's present with him and his family and we have a great time as a collective unit, as, as a family structure. We wow. take them out. We have a great experience with them. We'll take them snowmobiling. We'll take them skiing. That's Just powerful. Go, go have an experience that, you know, your friends are having. They're snowmobiling themselves. They're studying abroad. They're doing those experiences. And so with this scholarship, we really intended to change the, that experience for them. Make sure that they feel special, that they feel heard and seen. And then we get folks like Kendra. We get folks like Juan Jay who are wanting to become presidents of the United States. Just by that change, by showing them that there is a family unit around them who is from here from start to finish going to be there to support you. And yeah, it is a scholarship, so funding will run out at some point. But at that point, we're making family. This is a lifelong journey for a lot of us. And so that's where a lot of my investment in this comes in. Like I, I feel invested with a lot of these students because th- they've now become my, my adopted family, if you will. They, these are individuals that I, I talk to every single day and, and I engage with them and they're telling me their stories. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right now working. I have a professional job and it's tough. And I'm like, yeah, it is tough, but you got it. You can keep going. Yeah. Well, and that's why Giving Tuesday is so important, right? Yeah. You guys talked about how scholarships are important for these programs bridging those gaps, right? And so Giving Tuesday is November 28th, everybody. It's very important, right? Cindy, you want to share a little bit about that, Giving Tuesday? 
Giving Tuesday is the largest global single day of charity, of giving back to the community. If your inbox isn't full already with Giving Tuesday, come and support us. It's going to be soon because everybody gets involved and we are all trying to globally make a difference in others' lives. And for us, those are children or young adults or youth that have been in the foster care system. And so for us, you can go to fosterlove.com and sign up. Our Giving Tuesday ad is up there today. We actually have a $25,000 match challenge. Mm. So for every dollar up to $25,000, we are going to get that doubled. So Giving Tuesday for us is one of the largest days. It actually kicks off our year-end giving. And we can wrap up this end of this year. And I don't know how many children we've served yet this year. But we are on our way to having served the one millionth child in 2024. Wow. Foster Love is anticipated. If we stay on the trajectory that we're on, Sometime in 2024, we're going to have served our millionth child. Changing lives along the way. Wow. Danny Mendoza would have never imagined that when he was in college, right? That uh, that that one million. It was a volunteer project. Wow. He told me, I've been doing this for years until I realized that CEOs, executive directors actually get paid. And I said, oh, yeah, Danny, that's that's part of the deal. So he turned this this just charitable heartfelt family mm-hmm. combination, right? The family bond that he had with his cousin took it and spread it across the United States. I want to talk a little tiny bit about our sure. service projects because sure. our corporate partners, they come in and they, people who donate want to know where their money's going. Of course. So if you want to donate, you can actually sign up to make birthday boxes, STEM boxes. The um, the STEM kits actually come with the scientific experiment. These are distributed all around the country to foster youth. And we actually have bicycle and skateboard program. And to me, you know, I had a bike growing up. Even in Santa Ana, right? We had yeah. we had a bike. There's one thing we were on bikes in the streets. We were on, <laughs> for we sure were, in Santa Ana. <laughs> we were definitely on bikes in the streets. And skateboards, right? <laughs> but not only until the lights came on. Yes. The street lights came on. <laughs> exactly. And then, so we we give skateboards and bikes to kids, not just for them to have transportation, but because then they are not the only child in that area without a bike or without a skateboard. And we're giving out hundreds of thousands of these items every year. And so corporations sign up. We have a lot of big corporate partners and we thank them too. If you hear this, thank you guys, because we can't do this without you. Of course. But it's- It takes a a village, right? It takes takes a village. village. Everybody's on board. And that's one of the things that I also wanted to point out is, is, you know, if you can't donate, let's say money, like you mentioned, donate, you know, whatever it is, skateboards, bikes, obviously brand new, so these kids can enjoy, right? And not only that, but volunteers, right? I'm assuming you guys are always looking for volunteers or mentors. Yeah, 
Definitely, right? especially for our, for our academic service programs, we're looking for uh, to be able to pair an individual with a professional and have that pairing happen where, yeah, somebody will show you the ropes of how to apply for a job, how to get your resume up in order. Uh, we have some folks that are studying STEM or technology, and so they require additional testing for, for those positions. And so how do we get the individuals one step closer, just giving them that opportunity to build that social capital that we're looking for, just having having the wealth of knowledge of an, an individual who may have that experience there that you can talk to and just get some feedback, get to chime in on, on certain aspects and projects. So yeah, we, we are definitely looking for mentors and, and continued support with the program through volunteer services. We even, at Mario, you shared with me one time, we do tutors, tutoring so that the kids stay in college. Yeah. That's important. That's important. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I really want to make sure we get into what's the bigger vision? I know you talked earlier about you know the evolution, right? What's the future of foster love? What do you guys see? What do you guys hope? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll start. I think for me, it's it's continuing to, to be an advocate for this space. I think um, a lot of folks don't know what foster care is. A lot of folks have those negative connotations assuming, oh, I hear foster care, therefore these students are all bad kids. Like that, that is not true at all. And so it's breaking those those. Let's let's just go back to that. Mm -hmm. It's very important, right? We mentioned this. All these kids are not bad kids. No, it could be that they're just coming from tough or bad environments that are not healthy for them to be in. Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. They, it was not their fault. Exactly. I think that's important, right? Because you make a great point. A lot of people right away think, "Oh, that kid must have been a bad kid. It's his fault." Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, this is never the child's right? fault. Yes. They did not choose to so go. So I think into you make a valid point, yeah. right? That the environment played a huge role mm -hmm. on why maybe this situation happened. Yeah, and so thinking about the preventative side of that as we've already discussed as well, how can we how can we advocate and raise our voices a little bit louder so that these things do not happen in the future? We talk about we, we see homelessness happening here in Southern California quite a bit. And a lot of the foster youth population, once they age out or once they reach the point where they're no longer receiving services from the state, they age out of the system. They are no longer receiving that support. And they have nowhere to turn to because they don't have friends, family members who to rely on. They become homeless. And so how do we work on preventing those issues and, and thinking bigger picture as a as a community, as a society and thinking like we all have these family values? How can we tie those family values as a community to elevate these individuals and change the way our foster youth are treated in America? That's, you our, to add that's something? our mission Yeah, is to change the way children experience foster care and to recruit good foster parents and to give kids safe places to be. We got two minutes left. Why don't we share with the listeners, what is a good foster care parent? For anybody listening out there, I know Paul Roberts is one of our producers, is a producer here and and he talked about his story, of course, how him and his wife are foster parents, right? Yeah. What is the ideal foster parent? What Share a little bit about that. Somebody, somebody who opens their heart in addition to their home, somebody who treats that foster child as if they are their own child. Because in that period of time that you're with them and kids move three to four times in their, in their time in foster care. So stay with the child, walk the path with them and make sure that they have a better future than what they would have had if, had they stayed in the bad situation. Wow. I'm sorry. I got a little emotional thinking of my kids. Yeah, we're parents. Yeah. And the thought of any child being abused is horrific. But 50% of the population, homeless population in the United States, 50% of them were in foster care. 
So we're all we're all about foster love is going to change that trajectory. I get emotional thinking of my two boys. We hung out last night for Halloween. We had a blast. All their friends came over. Um, It was just a special moment thinking of, you know, kids having to go through something like this, not having a family, a place to call home. So thank you all for what you're doing. Really, really appreciate everything you're doing. Mr. Danny Mendoza, shout out to you for starting this. What a great organization. Kendra, congratulations. Wow. And this other gentleman, the Naval Academy. Young Juan J. Davis running for president. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Foster love up there with the president at the White House. Let's get him on the ballot. Let's go. Well, I I hate to say it. We run out of time. I just want to say thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Mario, for all you're doing. Continue, please, the journey and, and all you're doing. I just want to say, you know, foster love, please, folks, support them, donate to them. You know, Giving Tuesday's coming, you know, help this organization continue to grow. And, you know, would love to have you guys come back one of these days and and tell another great story. Thank you for being here. Thank you, John. Take it away, Paul. Well, there you have it. Another great story, an emotional story of giving and caring, as only this show can find and focus on. Join us again as we meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County, and all those helping. <laughs>